attitudes have changed. And that's the problem, right? Uh, it's, it's people will look at something after it's been studied and interpreted. And listen, there's only, there's no private interpretation uh, of the Word of God. It's, uh, it's not what I think and then what you think. Uh, it's what God's Word says. And now there are multiple applications. There's one interpretation, but other, more than one application. Uh, so the Word of God says the same thing, but it may mean something different to, for me than it does for, say, a Jew. Or, so, it, it, so I want to be clear. Um, there is only one interpretation, and it's still relevant. Uh, there's nothing more relevant uh, to us uh, than the Word of God. Uh, for whether they believe in it or not, that doesn't change the truth of, of it. And that's, that's like saying, I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, you know, weigh anymore because of gravity. Gravity's the same. <laughs> Somebody laughed. Uh, uh, we can't argue, we don't argue with gravity, though uh, it, we just can only, in fact, we don't really, really understand what it is. We just understand how it works. I can tell you what it is. The Bible says God holds in, Jesus holds all things together. So uh, it's, it's a work of, of, of God in this world. Matthew chapter 5, uh, we're, we're continuing on with our uh, study of the commands of Christ. Uh, the, the commands of Christ are important because if we don't know what they say, uh, we cannot do what they say. And uh, if we don't do what they say, how can we be a light or the salt of the earth? Uh, Jesus told the, the, the disciples that they were to go forth to teach the gospel, to, to baptize the believers, and then teach whatsoever things I have commanded you. And so we can't do that if, if we don't know those things. So it's good to remind ourselves uh, to go back to the very basics of, of our faith, the very, very basics of, 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 of what Jesus taught, and, uh, and, and make sure that uh, we don't get caught up in the minutia of all the other things. There are, there are a whole lot of people that are all interested in, in the book of Revelations and, and the end times. And listen, I, I'm interested in those things, right? It's good to study those things. But don't get so caught up in those things that you forget, up, forget about these things. Because uh, if we're not living this out, what's the, what, what do those things matter? So, Matthew chapter 5, we, as we've been going through the, this first real sermon uh, that, that Jesus preached, uh, looking at his commands, he, he talked about uh, bless the, the Beatitudes. We call them the Beatitudes uh, because they're, these are attitudes that, that, that should be in place in every Christian's life. Uh, we, can, we can look at Christ and we can see, uh, see uh, his humility. We can see his mercy. We can see uh, many of these things. Uh, uh, and and it, even the morning, while he didn't mourn for his own sin, I'm, I can guarantee you he mourned for our sin. In fact, the Bible says that the, that the, 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 the anguish of his soul is what satisfied God. It wasn't the nail prints in his hands. It wasn't the thorn in his brow. It wasn't the, the stripes on his back. It was the anguish of his soul that satisfied the wrath of God. Isaiah chapter 53 is what Christ went through, not physically, but in the, the wrath of God that was placed upon him because of our sin. That, that, uh, that, that, and so... He mourned. He he mourned over our sin. So, anyways, we see that we see all those things in Christ, but they're also to be seen in in the believer. Uh, he is our greatest example. It says verse number three: "Blessed are the poor in spirit." That poor in spirit is, is again a picture of humility. Uh, there are not a lot of people with great humility in this day and age, at least not Americans. Americans are known to be proud. And there's nothing wrong with being 
proud of your country and thank, thankful of the God that, that, uh, that gave us the country that we're in and the principles that our country was founded on. We're not perfect, and Americans aren't perfect. Uh, but, uh, but I'm thankful that we live in a, in a country that gives us the freedom to worship God. It's based upon, it, if you read the documents that were, the, the Mayflower Compact, uh, when, when they landed on this, do you know what it said they were here for? To evangelize. They wanted, to, they wanted to further the kingdom of God. It wasn't just to get away from uh, the, the governments in England. They had a desire to serve and worship God. Listen, that's why our country was founded. That's why you find God all, God all through all of the documents uh, that were written. While the, the government may try to be uh, stamping that out, and the people today will try to ignore that, uh, I want you to know that those things are true, and it's okay to be proud of those things. But pride uh, in, in what God has given to us and pride in us are two different things, and we need to and, and we need to have that humility. And real humility helps us to understand. As as we saw, we looked at the the, the picture of Lazarus, and, Lazarus and the rich man. Lazarus was that beggar. Uh, uh, he had nothing to offer. Uh, uh, was 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 of the basest sort, and 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 relied upon the crumbs from the, the rich man's table. We rely upon the grace of God. We are sinful. We are wicked. We're deceitful. Uh, the Bible says, uh, oh, the heart is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? Um, we rely upon the grace of God. And if you don't rely upon the grace of God, you're in trouble. Uh, because it's, it's by faith, or it's by grace through faith that we're saved. Uh, so so we, we see that humility, and, and uh, that, that is an attitude. that We don't just need a salvation. It's an attitude that we are to have throughout our entire life. If you notice... Uh, Paul, uh, when he began his ministry, he was the least of the apostles. When he finished his, when he came towards the end of his ministry, his attitude had changed. He went from being the least of the apostles to the chiefest of sinners. Uh, he, he, he saw himself differently. There was spiritual maturity and growth in his life, just like there is in any one of our lives as we grow. But as we do that, we, what we see is that we're even less than we thought we were at the beginning. Uh, and and, and uh, we we rely upon the grace and mercy of God. Number two, we see uh, blessed are the this is blessed are they that mourn. And any uh, one who has humility uh, and, and that 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 they're poor in spirit will come humbly before God. The truth is, when we see God, we'll mourn for our sin. We see just how wicked and deceitful we are. And again, it's not talking about just being sorrowful or sad because the world just has grief. There is sorrow in this life. Uh, but, but it's specifically talking about a godly sorrow. And Paul tell, says in 2 Corinthians that godly sorrow bringeth forth repentance. So that godly sorrow uh, there brings us to a point uh, where we come to God and we seek forgiveness. And uh, I love how, how, how it says they'll be rewarded, for they shall be comforted. There is no greater comfort than knowing that my sins are forgiven and that my, uh, that my iniquity is washed away. I am no longer responsible for uh, my sin. Now, understand what I'm saying. Jesus paid the debt for my sin. It doesn't mean I go out and do whatever I want now. It means Jesus bore the debt, uh, bore the, 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 the weight of my sin and the punishment for it, and I, I thank the Lord for that. There's comfort in that, that I, that I don't have to, uh, God sees me as righteous, not sinful. So, uh, number three is, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And we talked about what meekness was. It isn't weakness. It isn't, it isn't a, uh, it's, it's a yielding to the control of something else. It's strength under control. 
uh, the idea of a wild horse who is tamed, uh, is brought under the control uh, as, it, as, as the person who tames it earns his trust. And, and, and God earned our trust. The Spirit uh, is, is looking for us to yield ourselves unto him. And, and for us to be truly meek, it's to be yielded, by the Spirit, yielded to the Spirit of God and allowing him to control our lives. Uh, then we see, the, the, and we don't see that much anymore. Uh, in fact, if you look at these, uh, blessed are they, blessed are they, blessed are they, sometimes I look around and I wonder who they are. <laughs> it's supposed to be us. It's supposed to be us. And, but uh, it's, it, it is so easy to live in the flesh, but if we live in the flesh, uh, we're, we're having some problems. Uh, this is a blessed are they which do hunger and thirst. Number four, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. And we understand that our righteousness is as filthy rags. And we're not trying to do good works to earn salvation or, or, or to, gain, to garner a favor in the eyes of God. God loves us just the way we are. That's why it says, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, we didn't have to clean up our acts before God loved us. He loved us anyways. Now that doesn't mean we stay there. It doesn't mean we stay dirty. It doesn't mean we, we stay in our sin. Uh, what we see, we see is the payment that, that he, that he uh, made for us, the, the, the sacrifice. And we mourn over that sin. We yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit, and we seek after the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Because the only real righteousness in this world was through Jesus Christ. He was righteousness. And we're to seek after him. And that doesn't mean we don't seek to do good things, but we do good things through the work of God in our lives. It's, it's, it's a work of Christ. So we seek after him, and it says, it says that they that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Guess what? If you're truly seeking after the righteousness of Christ, he will fill you. You will be satisfied. That's what that word uh, filled means. Only Christ satisfies us. Uh, next note we see, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Again, not something that we see in this world. None of these things are things that we see rampantly around the world. You don't just see a bunch of merciful, uh, humble, uh, spirit-led people in this world. We see a whole lot of the exact opposite. And, and that's a problem, as we're going to see here in a moment. But it says, blessed are the merciful. We receive mercy of God. Uh, we are to be merciful and share, and, and share that same mercy. We're to forgive others. We're to love others. Uh, number eight, or number, uh, the next one, uh, number, I think it's five, blessed are the pure in heart. And we talked about that. It's, it's, it's our hearts are wicked. Uh, uh, the, but what it's talking about is not being divided. Uh, there's, there's not a uh, double-mindedness going on. But we're solely, wholly seeking after God in this. And, and again, as I look around in this world, I see a lack of that, even in churches, even in, sometimes even in my own life. I'm not just looking out at, at other people and saying that, man, everybody else just needs to get their act together so we, so we can do this right. I see it in my own life. It's, a, it's this constant battle that we have with our flesh, but, but we're all called to be merciful. We're all called to, 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 to be pure of heart and not be divided in, 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 in heart. We're to love God and love God only. We're not to, to, to chase after other things and put them in God's place, including even ourselves. God is the one that we're to worship. He's the one that we're to love, to follow after. Uh, we see next is, uh, blessed are the peacemakers. We talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, and, and those who make peace. It's, uh, uh, it's not just, we're not just to be peaceful, but we're to try to make peace. God made peace for us in salvation, did he not? He made peace with us 
in, between us and God. And, and, and we are to live at peace. We're told to pray for others so that we may live peaceably on this earth. It, it should not be that we're going around stirring up strife and stirring up uh, anger. And uh, it, all that does is it pushes people away. And there are Christians in their attempts to evangelize are... And, and listen, I'm not saying we shouldn't evangelize, and I'm thankful for those who go out and try, and try to, to get the word of God out. But listen, we need, to be, we need to understand that we do it, we speak the truth, but we speak it in love. Because if we speak the truth and we're not speaking in love, Paul tells us it's like it's a banging symbols, or, or it's a, that idea that nobody's going to hear what we have to say because it's not spoken in love. So we're to be peacemakers, and we're to, so that the peacemakers in the world. We're to be peacemakers in our homes. We're to be peacemakers in our churches. Our, we are to be peacemakers. It means we strive to make peace in our relationships. And the greatest way we can make peace in this world is by taking the, bringing them to the Prince of Peace who can make peace in their hearts and their lives. Last week, we covered, uh, we covered verse 10 through 12. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And the persecution uh, is something that does go on in this world, not so much in our country, but, but real persecution. We, looked at, we talked about what it looks like even in our, our country, uh, people that are mocked, uh, people that are reviled, uh, people that are, 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 are maybe physically assaulted, and we don't have a whole lot of that here in our country, but it, it's in other countries. Uh, there are people that are imprisoned, and, 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 and again, we don't have much of that here in this country, if any of that here in this country for now, uh, but, but it's go, it does go on in other countries. But he says, blessed are they which are persecuted. But remember, it said for, for righteousness' sake. You can be persecuted for a whole lot of things. Uh, but he says, blessed or blessed or happy are they that are, are persecuted for righteousness' sake. It's, it's for the sake of Christ. And, and notice what it said again in, in verse, uh, verse 11. Blessed are you, you men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you. I like that last word, falsely. Uh, because uh, there are people that are out there, well, I'm being persecuted for this. But they're not lying. <laughs> what they're saying is true. And, and, and so we need to make sure that if, if people are accusing us uh, of things, that, that those things that we're being uh, accused of, unless it, we're standing up for Scripture and doing what's right, uh, they're going to hate that too. But Jesus, they told lies about. And that's persecution. If you're, if you're a bad employee and your, your supervisor calls you in and he gives you the gives you a hard time because you're being a bad employee. Oh, I'm just being persecuted because I'm a Christian. Or maybe you're just being a bad employee and you're saying it's persecution. Make sure that it's false. We're, we're, we're to be blameless uh, without, without reproach uh, in our Christian lives. But it's, uh, so we talk about the, the, the persecution. But notice it says uh, there in verse, uh, verse 12, rejoice. This is how we respond. And, and, and this is what's, what's amazing for, for so many. A lot of times people don't re- they go through persecution, but they don't rejoice. This is supposed to be the response. And it says that, that, that we'll all be persecuted. They that love God, uh, live godly, will be persecuted, the, the Bible, uh, I believe it was Paul told Timothy. Uh, but but the, if we're all going to be persecuted, what's important is how we respond in that persecution. And it says to rejoice. Well, that's not natural, it is spiritual. And that doesn't always come easy. 
but it's what it's how the how God would have us to live. And honestly, is if we're if we're yielded to the Holy Spirit, then that means we're allowing the Spirit of God to work in us. And if I remember correctly, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and that that's a that's a fruit of the Spirit. So, anyways, going on, it says it says uh, there in verse twelve, it says, uh, "Great is your reward." Rejoice, be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Now, the, we're jumping into another, the next verse, and sometimes, in fact, in my Bible, it's separated. We've gone through the Beatitudes, and now something new, except for I believe this is connected. I, I, Jesus didn't stop here and then start another message a little while later. Jesus is still talking to the same people. And one of the things I, I noticed as I was studying through this, he said, blessed are they, blessed are they, blessed are they, blessed are they, blessed are they. Then he gets to, to verse, verse 10, and he says, he says, blessed are they which are persecuted. But then he goes into verse 11, and blessed are ye. There's a difference. See, the first, the first, the first of the Beatitudes, uh, the, that first part of the message was very general. It was, it was saying, those that were persecuted, the, the, those that children of God, blessed are they if they live in this way. But now he's speaking specifically to, to, his, his, to his, his servants, right? Because he looks at his, his, his disciples there, he says, he says, blessed are ye when you're persecuted. Listen, Jesus knew what was going to take place in the lives of, of those men uh, that he had called to follow him. He knew the end of every single one of them. Uh, there wasn't a single one that, G- that God did not know, that Jesus did not know what was going to happen. If you remember, at, at the end, uh, when, at the, in John chapter 21, when he's having that discussion with Peter, and, and saying, Peter, do you love me? And, and Peter, they're going back and forth. And then he prophesies, uh, prophesying how Peter was going to die, how he was going to be hung upside down. And, 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 and he said, but some of you, speaking of John, would not see death until... And, Peter says, well, what of this other guy? What, 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 what's going to happen to him? He says, does it matter? Just follow me. Jesus knew all of those things. He knew that Peter would be hung upside down. He knew that James would be beheaded. He knew that John would be boiled in oil. And, and others, I, I, I don't remember which one was cast off the, 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 the uh, tabernacle. I, 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 not tabernacle, that was the tent, the, the temple. I, I, he knew all of those things. So what he was saying to them there in verse, verse 11 and 12, he says, blessed are you, and this is how you are to respond in those positions. But then he goes on in the very next verse, and he says, after he says, rejoice, in verse 12, he says, rejoice and be seen glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Then in verse 12, he says, ye are the light of the world. He didn't say they are the light of the world. He said, ye are the light of the world. Remember, we, quite a while ago, we, I preached a message on there, there are those that, 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 uh, that are saved. There's a difference between saved and being a disciple of Christ. Jesus is speaking to those that are, 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 are following Christ, those that, those that are disciples, that are going to go out and maybe disciple another, maybe preach the gospel. But they're giving their lives wholly unto the Lord. And he says, you are the salt of the earth. Now it's interesting when you think about salts. It isn't worth a whole lot. It's cheap. You can go out and buy it. Table salt, rock salt. It's fairly cheap. 
God doesn't use anything that's noble. Now, understand what, understand what, I'm, what, what I'm saying here. What a, what a beautiful picture in that God doesn't use the best of the best, the greatest of the Remember, these aren't wise. And they're, 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 they're men who spent time with Jesus. That's what they were noted for. They weren't noted for their education in the book of Acts. They were noted because they had spent time with Christ. Listen, God can use us. He desires to use us. But we're only worth using because of what he does in us. He says, blessed are, it says in verse 13, ye are the salt of the earth. Salt is everywhere. It is in dirt and in the ground. God put it there for a purpose. As a geologist, Brother Troy knows that uh, if that salt wasn't there, water wouldn't be purified as the rain comes down and it goes through all those things. It's there for a purpose. There is salt in our bodies. If you've ever been sweating and exercising and sweating and you've tasted that salt, right? It's, there's salt in our blood. In fact, if there was no salt in you, you'd be dead. <laughs> Years ago, a long time ago, back during when they were trying to, in the medical field, when they were trying to replace blood loss, they, they started out just by putting water in there. But there was a problem. People would die because they would become hypo, uh, uh, hypo, I won't say kalemic, but it's not kalemic. It's a nutremic, I think it is. It's the, 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 uh, it's, it's the term for the, 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 that water would go in and it would draw the salt out of their blood. You know what, and that would cause them to go into cardiac dysrhythmias because you have to have so much blood or salt in the blood that your, your heart needs that for it to function. If that doesn't function, it spasms and they go into cardiac dysrhythmia and die. So what they found was they needed to put 0.09% salt in the fluid. If you go to the hospital and they hang a bag of fluids, you'll see a normal saline is 0.09% uh, sodium. Salt is a medicine. Sodium bicarbonate. It's used in, it's used in cardiac arrests. Uh, you would inject it into the blood because uh, the sodium levels may be low. It could be a cause of cardiac arrest. So, so there's so many uses for salt, I mean, so many benefits to it. But what happens when it loses its ability to be beneficial? You throw it out. You throw it out. Now, I, just a couple of, 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 of notes would won't be long. This is the only verse. I ain't promising anything. <laughs> First of all, salt seasons. Ever had food that didn't have any salt in it? The flavor is terrible. You got get put on a low-sodium diet, I'm sorry for you. But the, the food is just... Awful. Now, I don't like to put a ton of salt in my food, but every once in a while, I'll, my wife will make a stew or a soup, and I'll take a bite, and she's like, how is it? Like, Where's the salt? 
And uh, plus the salt is added and pepper, it's, it's typically good. She's a good cook. But we, we need that salt. It, 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 it's, it's amazing how it can affect, even just a little bit, can affect all the other rest of it. Right? I can have a big bowl of soup and just three or four shakes, and it tastes fine. It seasons those things that are around it. Have you ever had bitter coffee? I worked in the firehouse. It was all bitter. I learned a trick. Did you know if you just take a pinch of salt and you put it into, your, into, a, a, into a pot of bitter coffee, it removes the bitterness, the acidity? Doesn't make it taste salty at all? Why? Because that little bit can affect everything. Salt is a preservative. You can put salt uh, on, on, on meat, and that will preserve that meat because what it does is it draws out all the moisture uh, that's in that meat, and it causes that to, to, to it's like a drying process. And it, it can help that meat to, to, to last for a long period of time. Salt can do, in fact, salt can even sweeten. No, it can't. It's salt. Does anybody eat salt on their watermelon? It's one of my favorite things. The rest of you are missing out. I, I taught this to my kids. They, they didn't believe me. They're like, no, don't put salt on that. Watch this. Take a bite. It's so sweet. Because it draws out the moisture. It, make, it makes it sweet. It's amazing how just a little bit can affect so much. And the truth is, as Christians, Jesus said to, to the disciples, he says, ye are the salt of the earth. God has us here to flavor. God has us here to preserve. God's, God has us here to affect this world around us. How do we do that? By being the salt. What do I mean by that? What's the, what's the savor that it talks of? We already read about it. The Beatitudes. Because you, you look around and we, we don't live in a, in, a, in a world where people are naturally humble. We live in a world where even those that are supposed to be humble aren't. We don't live in a world where people mourn over sin. We live in a world where people laugh at sin. Or they revel in it. Or they just ignore it. We don't live in a world where, where, where people are peacemakers. We live in a world where people hate each other because of their differences. I voted for, you'd be amazed at how many responses you get. And it doesn't matter which side you put it on. Whether you voted for Biden or voted for Trump. Half the, half the country hates you because you voted for one. The other half voted, would hate you if you voted for the other one. It doesn't matter. Why? Because we're at war with one another instead of being peacemakers. Now, there are things that I believe that we should stand for and, and, and stand for right, but we need to do it in a right way, out of love. We don't live in a world where people mourn over their sin. Even Christians who know better. We don't live in a world where people hunger after Christ. 
They hunger after everything else. Even those that name the name of Christ, uh, hunger. I'm not saying that there's no one that that does these things. I'm saying it's very rare that we see this in the life of even a Christian. But for someone to hunger after Christ, to know him more, to to invest their life and all that they are in, in, in knowing him and being more and more like him. It's very rare. Our kids are growing up, and they want to be engineers or firefighters or cops or scientists or whatever, and those things are all good. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with any one of those things. But so much more value is put on that than being on a child of God and knowing God more. We hunger after entertainment and things that fill our time versus giving our time. To know Christ. We don't live in a world where we're certainly pure in heart. It is so easy to be drawn in two separate directions. Sometimes I, sometimes I feel like I'm a two-headed dragon. Right? Where I want to do this, and I don't want to do that, but why is I having this battle? Jesus said you can't love both. Either one, love one and hate the other, or serve one and despise the other, and we see that. We see that in uh, we see that in the fact that the number of, of people that go to church is on a decline, uh, not just at Fellowship Baptist Church, but all across the country. Uh, we see that in the uh, the number of kids that are leaving the church in droves. We see that why? Because they're 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 separated. Their hearts are split, and they're told one thing here and one thing at church, and they don't know what to believe, and so they. Make their choice. We're told, blessed are the merciful. But I don't see a lot of mercy in our world. Christians holding grudges, and getting angry and cutting each other down in front of unbelievers. And that's just on Facebook. <laughs> Where you can where you can be anonymous when you're not really anonymous. And, and unfortunately, what, what the ones that are truly anonymous are the ones that are watching and they're seeing the, 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 the church tear, tear each other apart instead of seeing love and forgiveness. I, I'm afraid when God, when God looks down at the, at the church today, he, he says, where's the salt? And it doesn't mean there's not any salt in there. Again, there, there are those, there are some that, that, are, that love God. There are some that are living these beatitudes out in their life. But let's look at this verse again, verse 13. Ye are the salt of the earth. Here's the danger. But if the salt has lost its savor, Wherewith shall it be salted? If the salt lost its savor, if you or if you or I have lost the, the the savor, well, how do we lose our savor? Well, how does salt lose its savor? It's interesting. Do you know that salt is a stable compound? You can put salt in a sealed container, and you can leave it and store it for as long as you want. And guess what? 
when you open it and you stick your finger in, man, it's still salty. Do you know how it loses its savor? It gets water in there. When, the, when that water gets in there, and it, it begins to affect the, the savor, the, 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 uh, the, the, the chemical compound of that salt, and it loses its, its ability to affect uh, that those things that are around it. It, it, it. It's no longer savory. It's no longer able to, to draw the moisture out in that preserving effect. Why? Because it's already got moisture in it. How do we lose our savor? By allowing the things of the world and the things of our flesh to affect us. As, as Christians, listen, you can't be saved if you haven't mourned over your sin. You, you can't be saved if you're, you've not yet humbled yourself before the Lord. We need to, in humility, say, I can't do it, God. I need you to save me. Right? Uh, those, those are things that are required for salvation. Now, it's also a work of God in us, because without, the, without God working in us, we'd never come to that point. Jesus said in John 6, 44, unless the Father draw them. Right? So it's a, for us to be saved, it's a work of God. It's a work of God for us to show mercy. It's a work of God for us to hunger after righteousness. It's a work of God for all of those things. For us to be holy, single-mindedly chasing after Christ. To not be divided, to be pure in heart. It, it's, it's a work of God. It's a work of God for us to be able to suffer persecution and to rejoice in that. But if we allow the, the, the world, the flesh, and when I say the world, I don't mean the people of this world. You, you understand what I'm saying, the world? I'm, I'm talking about the, the, the workings of this world, the, those things, the, the sinfulness, the, the fleshly lust, those things, they begin to creep in and they affect us. And we lose our savor. It says, if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted again? That's scary. Let's just be honest. What he's saying is, how can it be salted again? The answer is, it can't. You understand that? There's nothing you can do to fix that problem. If you have purchased and stored a bunch of salt and water has gotten in there and ruined that salt, you cannot then make it better. Except for one way. You have to dehydrate it. Right? You heat it until the water would evaporate out of it. How do you think they get salt out of salt water? They evaporate the water, and it leaves the minerals. You know what happens in us? Sometimes God puts us in some heat. He brings us to a point where we once again humble ourselves. This is why I'm so thankful for 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. See, there was a period of time in my life when I lost my savor. It terrifies me when I think back. God should have and had every right to, would have had every right to kill me. So that's harsh. I was terrible. It was by God's grace I'm here today. I don't deserve to be here. It's, it's the same way with all of us. Let's, if, we're, if, we're, if we're humble enough, we'll acknowledge that. 
but I lost my Savior. And I don't mean just a little bit. It's like, it's like somebody took a, a pound of, sh- of salt and they dumped it in a lake. That's how, that's how ruined I was. But God was able to filter that out. God was able to dehydrate that and help me to be savory once again. Unfortunately, it doesn't change what I did. I wish it does. I wish it could erase my past. And don't ever take that as a license, young people, or, old pe- or older people, that, well, if I, if I mess up, I'll just be... That's not how we're supposed to live our life. Jesus said, Paul said, should, should we sin so the grace may abound? God forbid. But when I look at my kids or our Sunday school kids, or I look at our neighbors, or the people that are around us, and we're to be the salt of this world. We're to affect them. We're to, we're to we, not us, but God through us, right? Uh, he, he, all these, these attributes, the Beatitudes, are a work of God in us. Uh, all of those things are to be a, a savoring, uh, have a savoring effect on those things around us. Not the other way around. It says in verse 13, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall be salted? It is, sen- it is thenceforth good for nothing. For those three years that I ran from God, I was good for nothing. Honestly, I'll, I'm still good for nothing <laughs> other than what God's done for me and done through me. But that's the difference. See, anything I do now is it's God is working through me. All the good-for-nothing stuff, that was all me. The stuff I wish I could take back, that was me. Those were my choices. The things I do now, is, is, is for the Lord, I do it not just for the Lord, but by the Lord. It's Him working in me. It's good-for-nothing, but trod... We're about to be trodden under the foot of men. See, in those days, here in Maine, we value salt in the wintertime. My, my wife wishes we'd had some on our steps this winter. <laughs> Sadly enough, it was in the garage, and she <laughs> it didn't start raining until after I left. We, we value to have it underfoot to be trodden. We, we find value in that. But when he's saying this, he's not saying that that's another good thing it can be, done, it can be used for. He's saying it's just good to... It's not good for anything. Just throw it out. I don't know about you, but I don't want God to look at me and say that I'm not good for anything. In my state that I was in, away from God, in sin, that's what I was. But, and that's where you have been. But I remind you of the grace of God. We sang about it this afternoon. Think about it this morning, I think, actually. Grace that is greater than our sin. See, what I was, I am no longer. And I am not yet what I will be. But he that began a good work in me will continue that work in me until the day of Jesus Christ. I become more and more like him. And in this world, I am to be more and more like these Beatitudes. Those are a work of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5. If you walk in the Spirit, you shall not 
fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. If, we're gonna, if, if we are going to continue in this life as, as children of God, if we're going to accomplish what God has us to do, if we're going to be the, the salt of the earth he's commanded us and called us to be, we have to live it out in our lives. It can't be a one-day-a-week thing or even a two-day-a-week thing or just when we're around to the Christian kind of thing. It's got to be all the time. But if, it, if it's not all the time, it's just hypocrisy. And Jesus didn't like that either. Ye are the salt of the earth. Lord, help us. Father God, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that, uh, for the work that you've done in me and, and each one of us. I thank you for your grace. And God, I pray that you'd help us to examine our hearts and lives. Uh, Lord, if, there's, uh, if there is any loss or lack of of uh, that saltiness or savor in our life. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to see that. I pray that we would live in the Spirit, that we'd walk in the Spirit, that we would, that we would uh, be the salt of the earth. Uh, we pray that uh, you would help us to, to see any deficiency in that. And if there is, Lord, help us to come back to you, to, 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 to draw close to you. Lord, to allow your Spirit to work in us, to seek forgiveness, and to walk in your way. We love you, Father. Help us to help us to be uh, be the light, be the salt. Help us to affect those that are around us. We ask this in Christ's name. We pray. Amen.